paying bills on time? Oh yeah. Not maxing out credit cards? That's what I'm talking about. Learning what credit utilization is? Yes, give yourself credit. You can reach some pretty big goals like home ownership by taking small steps like those to build up your credit. Get started by leveling up your credit knowledge at FannieMae.com slash credit education. That's FannieMae.com slash credit education. Home ownership, here you come. Hi, I'm Colin Horton. I'm an award-winning surveyor, part-time property investor, and self-confessed entrepreneur. I believe that business is all about getting to know the people that you're dealing with, and that's exactly what we're going to be doing on this podcast. We'll be having in-depth chats, asking the personal questions, and ultimately, getting candid. Good morning, everyone. Uh, Welcome to today's podcast. Uh, I'm actually chuffed today because I've got an old uni mate who has done very well for himself and is going on a very similar journey to myself. And he's an entrepreneur and he's probably doing one of the hardest industries you can you know, possibly imagine, which is a state agency. So I've been wanting to get the state agent on for ages and I finally found someone stupid enough to come on. So um, Jacob, my friend, um, over to you. Please in- introduce yourself and um, yeah, we'll get candid. What a nice intro. Thanks, Colin. Um, yeah, mate, it's nice to call you a mate as well, because we didn't spend that much time together at uni. So um, yeah, nice to know that we're friends. Um, yeah, so I'm, <laughs> I'm Jacob Zachariah. I own a little estate agent called Noah's London based in Notting Hill. It's been so far, I think officially a 12 month journey, but I think we've only had the doors open for 10 months. Um, yeah, and uh, it seems to be going well. And thanks for having me. So, No problem, mate. I mean, Estate agency at the moment is uh, manic. Um, I, I'm going for a property purchase myself, and Jesus, I wouldn't. You know, it's I, it's incredibly difficult to get anywhere as a buyer, as a seller. How has it been over the last twelve months? As a you know, bear in mind it's your first twelve months as an estate agent during the pandemic. I mean, how how has that been for you? Yeah, it's it's been an interesting one. We we opened the business first uh, of July last year, right, sort of in the middle <laughs> of the first lockdown. Um, a lot of people told me that I was either very brave or very stupid, and I'm hoping that it's panning out to be very brave. So, it's been a funny one. We picked a market which was arguably completely dead. Central London lost everything out of the bo- bottom of the market. Um, probably it didn't really even pick up till maybe even the end of that year. We chose it on purpose because I've got a lot of experience here. I've, I've spent 12 years on and off selling property inside kind of the Royal Borough. Um, but there was an option to go and trade and start out in Guildford, where I live, out in Surrey, um, where the market was booming. But it's it's a very we, – we've been trying to keep an eye on what's changing outside and what's changing inside London. COVID has really commanded what's actually happening. It's so nice to see that the market is absolutely back to central London, back to Notting Hill. It was voted – and identified as one of the best places to invest in the next two years because of the growth that's coming back to Notting Hill. So I think we made the right decision to start here, but it has been hard. It's been very, very tough. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my hat, mate, my hat goes off to you, mate. It was, um, I remember seeing, obviously, we, we started getting back. I think we got back in touch just um, at your old firm and uh, just about leasehold matters. And then when I saw you gone on your own, I was like, oh, mate, that's so like, it, I love to see anyone else that's had the balls to kind of set up on their own because it is. It's bloody ballsy, mate, and it's scary. What was your moment, mate? What was your moment that you thought, fuck it, I'm going to go and do it? <laughs> I'm glad you said fuck it because I wasn't sure if we could swear on this podcast. Yeah, you can swear, mate. Yeah. Fuck <laughs> <it>. <laughs> um, no, honestly, yeah, very, very scary journey. Why did I do it? Okay, so I wish I could tell you that I had some epiphany that, you know, I was going to be going and doing this on my own and I had this calling to do it. Um, I was working for a very, very good friend of mine, still a very, very good friend of mine, um, as you said, and another company. And um, furlough came around. The whole, everyone got furloughed in the first lockdown. And I had just had a little baby boy. And I sat in a shed at the end of my garden on furlough, digging up the lawn, thinking, am I really going to be the type of dad that's going to be relying on somebody else to tell me whether I have a job or not? And I know that's pretty harsh to say it that way, but that, that was how it felt. That was, I thought, gosh, what's going to happen? You know, he, my boss, my friend, he's still working. He's still able to trade. Yes, it was really hard, but he was in control of what I was doing and, and I didn't like it. 
Um, and I just had this moment of, right, I need to be better for my boy. Um, and I really decided that I've just got to take that chance. And I think there was, um, you had a, a girl on here the other day and I've forgotten her first name. Uh, second name Baker runs bikini. Um, I listened Ashley, to that. Yeah. Actually, I, yeah, I listened to kind of a lot of that podcast. Um, and she said, if you'd shown me what my 12 months would have looked like, there's no way I would have done it. And I feel kind of the same way. If you'd give me the day to day of what my day would look like for the next 12 months, I probably would have gone, now nah, you're all right. I'll sit on furlough for a while. <laughs> but so I kind of, I got in and I phoned my brother the day before I even did anything. And I said to him, Dan, what do I do? How do I start? And he said, just start, just draw a name on a piece of paper, what you think it's going to be called and work it out to make the logo start. And I just almost fell into it. Um, I have a, insane work ethic and drive to do stuff but i often don't have i lack the direction of where to point that so i think once i had an idea of what it looked like it was just a case of following through each step one by one you know how do i get public liability insurance how do i get the the, the tiniest little matters that you've never even thought of you end up just starting and you you, you fall into it so that's how it kind of came around about where did the so because you kind of done it how i done it i started by having a name I think, okay, I'm going to run with that name and I'm going to try and draw a logo. And then it's quite easy to visualize the company once you have those initial steps in place. Like once you've got your logo and your brand, you can say, oh, actually, I can see this. I can see those signboards outside various houses. Took me through the name, how, uh, where it comes from, um, what was the background to it? Uh, the name, no, is everyone thinks, oh, everyone calls me Noah. They say, oh, hey, Noah, no, it's Jacob. It's Jacob, but no, it's Jacob, but no, it's, but I've just accepted that people just call me Noah now. Um, where did the name come from? Okay, so... My wife and I couldn't agree on the name of our first boy. I wanted Noah and she wanted something else. Um, so I decided that I'd call the company Noah um, or Noah's as an idea that it was going to always be for my kids. Um, I love their name Noah. I always have. I wanted to call my firstborn Noah and couldn't. So I think I had to respect the wife that she chose a different name for our boy. Um, and yeah, Noah's became the agency. But I think it's quite a friendly name. And the whole goal of the business is to be much more friendly. Um we were uh, being an agent for so long. I've worked with the corporates. I've worked with the big companies, the small companies, and I wanted to create something that was softer, friendlier, but still as hardworking. One of the lines in a corporate meeting we had one day, a director walked in and said, right, we need to do some business. Let's get property on down in price and gone. And they had this strap line on down off. And I just felt like we're talking about someone's home here. We're talking about someone's house, their livelihood. And you're just saying, get it on, get it down, get it gone. And it was this attitude of, no, that can't be right. So I always knew what the company would feel like and the goal of it and what the process was kind of about. But yeah, the name came and the rest followed. I think just like you, you just, you just yeah, get into it. It's a lovely name, mate, to be fair. It's, um, right. yeah, I really like it. I, I'm, I mean, I grew up, uh, my mum's was a Catholic, very Catholic lady. So, uh, I resonate <laughs> with the name to a certain degree, mate. So, um, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a very friendly name. And what I like about what you just said is I've spoken to, cause obviously we work day in, day out with estate agents on the Savannah side of things. And, there is that approach where people do forget is this is people's most emotive thing you're going to buy. So, you know, I'm, I'm moving at the moment. And it's all I can think about is what's happening. What's happening with the searches, what's happening with the mortgage, what's happening, what's happening. And obviously to certain estate agents, not naming any names, but they don't really care. They, they want it care. on, get it off. Yeah. And it's just, it's hard, mate. It's, it's hard to, I think to sometimes get that across to all, oh, to get that across to people when you speak to them. And I, it's, it's really nice how you just touched on that because I think it kind of shines through just by hearing from you in, in this kind of brief kind of five, 10 minutes we've already spoken. I mean, I always like to hear about people's firsts, not uh, sexual ex you know, experiences, mate, but <laughs> your, um, your first kind of deal that came through the first time, you know, took me through the first sale. Because that's oh always a nice story. Gosh, first sale. Uh, let's go back to it. I'm just looking at our board. Okay, so to be fair, I thought sales would be much easier, but we ended up rent lettings just took off. Um, I think the first let was a tiny little house opposite my mum's house. It was a neighbour who uh, was referred to her. She said, oh, you know, my son's got a business. Let's give that a go. We let it to two lovely people, a teacher and a business owner. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was so easy. I was thinking, oh God, well, th this can't be hard. Then I realized lettings fees aren't that great and they barely cover the bills. So I thought, okay, we've got to focus on the sales side of stuff. And we, we had one up in town. Um, and I think the first exchange we had was 
just the loveliest lady um, on the 10th floor of a very famous building called Trellick Tower. Um, and we just became really, really good friends. I met her. We sat on her balcony, looked over Notting Hill, and she said, I just hate estate agents. And I turned around and said, yeah, me too. It's just she'd been approached so many times about, oh, we can get you this price. We can do it quickly. We can, And nobody had actually listened to the fact that she was very, very scared about moving. She'd been in London for 20 years or more, I think. Yeah, maybe 25 years or more. And she was going to make this whole move down to Exmouth. Um, and I just sat there and said, that's a big decision. Are you sure you want to do it? Are you sure you want to leave? And she said that I was the first person to ask her that question. Not how much do I want? No, not how quickly I want to do it. Not where she, where, where we'd expect to see the adverts go. It was, are you sure you want to make that life move? It's a big one. And yeah, we went through, it was a very, very difficult sale. I think as sales are at the moment. And when she moved, she called me crying FaceTime from her new home, on the on the beach in Exmouth and it was yeah it was just an example of like becoming very good friends with a client it was it was lovely she was a, a lovely lovely woman and referred us more and more business so yeah it was organic growth after that that's a lovely that's a really nice story mate that. Yeah. I, like that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that organic your organic growth is um it's so key isn't it? especially areas like Notting Hill where they are for one, they can be quite clicky areas and everyone kind of knows each other. And, you know, but as soon as you do one good deal for one person and you, you know, you've got them a good result, your name will just spread like wildfire. And it's, we're, we're um, what's, <laughs> yeah. what's your, what your, yeah, mate, it will, mate. Like it's, <laughs> the fact you survived a year, mate, through a pandemic is, you know, I mean, a lot of the firms that have survived, they've all taken out, you know, Sybil's loans and bounce back loans and, you know, um, what not all the so you know to survive that and not even have access to that early days you know it's mm. amazing mate so there was a moment about three months in i thought oh gosh maybe we we should start looking at that stuff um then i realized i didn't qualify for it because we were a brand new business and went oh well, better do some work then so and it yeah it turned around quite quickly after that yeah word of mouth is obviously the best way to grow business it's free um and it's the most authentic but it's definitely the hardest. It's so easy to slip up in an industry that's hated so much. You can quite quickly fall into a category of, of the rest of them and, and lose that momentum with your recommendations. But um, yeah, we're trying. That's, that's our focus. Well, I mean, what have your, so what are your marketing streams at the moment? And how are you, how, so after I'll give you, you, you can have a little brief sales pitch for Noah's in a minute, but like how, you know, how <laughs> do you, <laughs> how do you, um, like how do you get out? Obviously you've got, you've mentioned referrals. Uh, obviously the natural stuff is signboards etc outside properties but you know what what other stuff is there that you you find is the best for estate agents any estate agents listening they might be in a similar position what would you kind of any tips to give a market uh, you know i'm still in that position of, of trying to work that out we're, we're in an area the royal borough of kensington chelsea pretty much don't allow boards anywhere it seems to oh, be really? yeah boards are you know the, the quickest way to get your brand out to your local neighborhood but we're not allowed them. So how do you do that? Good question. Um, we, yeah, we do a lot of direct marketing. Um, I will choose a select house that I've seen on the market that I think is, is worth the money it's on for, but perhaps they're just not having a lot of luck and we'll approach them directly with a letter. Um, if I was targeting specifically a, a, or I had a buyer for a house, and I think we, we work on the little deals like that. On a more general platform, um, I was listening to a, a YouTube podcast of um, what's his name now, Logan Paul, who I don't yep. agree to be like <laughs> everybody's favorite person. But he said something very interesting. He was talking about a, bol a bottle of aftershave. He said in one of his videos, he walked along, he sprayed this aftershave. The next day, the aftershave was sold out. He said the power of social media is so um, it's so strong that he didn't even have to mention the aftershave. It's just a sheer fact he wore it. It sold out on the shelves the next day. And we're trying, uh, and when you've got a platform that's that impressive and that powerful, I think our, our brand awareness is really coming from our socials. We don't have a huge following, but we do get a quite nice reach. It's interesting to watch the promoted ads sort of fly around the area and it gets the name around so that when you do approach someone directly, they go, oh, I've seen your funny video on Instagram. I know you. And I think that's the combination that we're trying. Estate agents have always sort of uh, run away from social media. It's too accountable. Um, you know, you're putting recordings of what you're saying and estate agents hate that because they lie and kind of, yeah. they're, they're not always as straightforward as you want them to be. So yeah, I think our, our general target marketing is, is letters and, and stuff like that. But you know, if we want to do a, a wider catch, we are really trying to push the socials. So, 
Mate, I love that you brought that up because something that's quite um, close to my heart is the social side of things. And um, I kind of always ask the guests about kind of personal brand and, you know, I always mm. emphasize the importance of pushing that. Um, so in terms of like the socials, I, I know, I know some of your videos <laughs> that they are quite lighthearted and they are, you know, tongue-in-cheek. And it, I think it makes you more – not celebritized as the right – I don't even know if that's a word – but we're, we're going for relatable. We want to be as relatable, relatable as possible. But yeah. when you turn up, it's like, oh, I know you. It's just straight away. It's that, oh, they kind of feel special because, oh, you're that guy from Instagram that I see doing <laughs> the ads and stuff. I, um, I don't think I'm there yet, but yeah, that's, that's the goal. We want to feel getting to no, the mate, don't put, you, no, don't put yourself down there, mate. Subconsciously, they will just seen you on Instagram. It's even like we, like, no different to dating apps, really. When you see someone on a dating app, you've been chatting for so long. When you do finally see them, you kind of like, oh, wow, cool. They've actually come and seen me. So it, it, for me, I, I, you know, I'm a massive fan of building that personal that personal brand. I mean, how do you work out? Because I've delved into Google spends and Facebook spends, and I've completely fucked up before. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah, we definitely got a branding girl does it for me now, and she does brilliantly. Um, but how do you kind of quantify the results? Uh, because a lot of people are probably thinking, should I do Facebook? Should I not do Facebook? Should I do Instagram? Obviously, mm-hmm. they all run the same platforms. But um do you, how wide do you do your range? I mean, you got any tips for anyone? Or yeah, again, I guess, I guess you know, if you if you compared it to like Bikini, who was on the other day, um, their target market is going to be worldwide. Our target market is specifically within a postcode that we work in. So we can, you know, it's a very simple decision. We probably want to get our awareness to that immediate area. So choosing that is easy. Um, how, yeah, have I messed up? Yeah, of course I have. Uh, the first few, you spend a load of money, it goes nowhere, and you're like, what is this all about? Um, but then it's, I guess somebody said to me a while ago, it's consistency. You just have to be consistent with it because one, I, I don't even know how these algorithms and all that stuff work, but my best advice is seek advice. You need to go to the expert who knows what they're doing, pay for someone who knows what they're doing. Yes. You're going to pay an admin fee to do it, but they will target your campaign properly. Um, because unless it's something you want to sit there and study, you you probably will never work it out. I'll certainly never work it out. My, my, my skill set is not that. <laughs> I mean, I couldn't even, and the first time I put a camera in my face, I, I literally couldn't speak. I didn't know what to say. Um, and now it comes off quite naturally. Um, but I don't understand the way that it goes out. Do I focus on Facebook? Not really. I just don't think there's the the, the sort of surfing idea. You, you, I don't necessarily go to Facebook to check it. Our stuff as a byproduct from our marketing ends up on Facebook, but Instagram is probably our target. There's a lot more engagement with the millennials on, on Insta. Because I'm seeing, I mean, vision into the future. I know it's already kind of started, but Facebook kind of getting involved into the property market themselves. Um, I know Facebook buy and sell has been a huge success for them, kind of rivaling eBay. And I think eBay, eBay's taken quite a hit from that. Mm. Do you think, obviously, Right Move um, is so expensive? I, I mean, mm. I hate Right Move with a passion. I hate Right Move. Yep. Yeah, they, no, they make it very prohibitive. <laughs> yeah, let's uh, let's like let's have a rant about right move, mate. Because obviously, <laughs> I, I delved into a state agency and I had no idea. So I don't know if you know, but um, back in what 2018, I had the idea of setting up a, a flat only estate agency, yep. and I completely fucked it up. If I'm honest with you, mate, <laughs> um, I completely I didn't realize how hard it was. This is why I have so much respect for people like you because I didn't realize how hard it was. And um, I mean, what. Uh, where was I going? I was going to yeah, right. right so we we got limited budgets. Yeah, yep. you, you're and they make it so prohibitive, mate, to even get oh, on there. Yeah, I mean, they were, they, sorry, they right. Were help, <laughs> they were helpful at the start. They were, you know, they'll offer these kind of intro rates, and with furlough, I think they were quite concerned about what was going to happen to the property market. So they were trying to get sign ups and you know a two year contract where you get a month free or two months free. So that was nice. But then you get into their system, and I'm now, uh, you know coming up to a year in and I have no control about what they charge me. The other day they just phoned me up and said, Oh, we're putting our rates up, you know, Oh, you don't want to use this anymore. Fine. You can break the contract and go somewhere else, but they have the complete monopoly on the market. And you know, you can't not be on there. I think I'd love to see on the market, which is an agency owned uh, portal grow, but you know, they don't charge anything. So I don't know if they're making any money that the leads are minimal in comparison. You just can't avoid the beast that is right move. Zoopla is doing better. Um, we do probably get 30% of our leads, but you, you can't ignore it. It's a, it's a horror. It, it's by far our biggest cost. You know, I do think right that- move advertising costs me more than one of my members of staff. It's like, how can someone's time be less valuable than your portal? It's crazy. 
it, mate, it's mad. Like the way, the way, like obviously we're working, we live in a world where you know, right move, you know, monopolies aren't really, you know, prohibit, you know, aren't really allowed. And it is a pure, pure and utter monopoly they have on the whole thing. Like, yeah, Zoopla, great, but you know, they don't. I mean, Zoopla got V. Is it they own Vibra as well? Don't they, Zoopla? Uh, yeah, so they're in the back of a system called Vibra. Yeah, and we use Vibra Alto, and it's fantastic. It's amazing. It's great. It's, inter- <laughs> it's a good Yeah, it's integrated. <laughs> yeah, it's lovely. Also, not cheap, but definitely, it's, unlike Rightmove, you kind of go, it's worth the money. And they're lovely people as well. Zoopla is so much more personal. Um, whereas you've got Rightmove, you go, oh, can I have some help? No, it costs more money to have help. All right, okay, <laughs> let's not talk then. So, yeah, it's a shame, but, you know, I don't know any other business that has that kind of control. Um, but perhaps it's because I don't have enough awareness in the world <laughs> today. Yeah. No, mate, it's crazy. I think it's because um, I've started seeing like well, I've seen stuff on Facebook. I do look at it. I do. I've, I have always thought there is, or naively, I used to think there was a market for people just literally buying and selling their own houses. Then, yeah. Uh, but then I have realised quite quickly that you do definitely need estate agents in there because uh, it is, there's, there's such a need for it. Yeah, bringing, bringing the conversation full circle back to that social media idea. One of my um, – my dissertation was actually at uni, which was a useless degree. I shouldn't have done it. It was a lot of wasted money, but I guess it gave me some worldliness. Um, my dissertation was actually pretty much around the fact, do we still need estate agents? Um, and, and the conclusion was actually, yes, we do. There's, there's an element within the trading of, being in someone's house and telling them that it's not worth what they think it is and trying to negotiate that offer, it'll end up in a fist fight. So you do need that estate agent in the middle just to manage that situation. Um, but yeah, we're still not there where, where people can, you know, avoid social media and do it or, or the flip side of it, do it themselves. So I think you have to find an agent that's willing to engage in the socials, work with the, the selling on, on Facebook. Cause I think, you know, on the market are trying to break into that platform. I think they're the only ones that autonomously upload to the Facebook marketplace a house and you contact the agency through Facebook marketplace. Um, something we're exploring, but I just don't think it's effective yet. It will be. I'm, I'm sure of it. Facebook, uh, again, they have a monopoly on their social media idea. Um, and, you know, they will be the monster that will, <laughs> that is right move probably. There's too much income to avoid it. Um, but we're not paying for it yet. So I'll yeah, have yeah. to use it. <laughs> I mean, do you think there's a market? Because I, I often think this, because I've, I've, like, I've, I've touched on it like, already. Like, I've, I'm ga- I've been going for a property purchasing process at myself at the moment. And uh, it's hard being a surveyor because you're going as a surveyor, but you're always going to go with your heart. Ultimately, you don't. Sometimes you forget with your head. And I'm going around places thinking these have been well overvalued, but screw it. You know, I want I'll it. Take it. <laughs> yeah, um, do you have, I think, the American model is pretty bloody good where you've got a buying broker and a, and a selling broker. Do you ever think that would work over here? Uh, yeah, I really do. Uh, There's some great companies that are kind of pioneering that as well. I'm, I'm not going to give them airtime because they're competition, but yes, I think it is a model that works. If, if I stood in a client's house and they said, are you the best estate agent for me? I would still say yes, but are there other agents that can bring other business? Yes. Why are we not working together with those other agents to bring the client the best price? Purely, it's a selfish thing. Purely, it's an agent trying to get more money out of a single transaction than thinking, actually, let me do a better job to grow their, you know, the value of their home, but also the value of our business. I would love to see that model work, um, you know, to open the property to the whole market, to every agent, to phone you up and split a fee. It would be great. There are programs and things behind the scenes uh, do you know lon res london residential yeah yeah, yeah lon res is an idea to, to make that happen but truthfully it doesn't work because the agent who gets a fee you know say you've got two percent on a million pound house you've got 20 grand there and you're not going to stick it on lon res and open it up to lose half of your fee to sell it quickly you'll sit on the market for three or four months see if you can get rid of it if you can't you'll then put it on lon res because you need to recoup some kind of cost on the house. You're not doing it to get the best price for the client. So you end up on non-res all the old stock that can't shift. And, you know, you're not, they're, they're much harder to sell. So, uh, yeah, it's a model I want to see. I'm interested to see. A lot of the guys we take on here and the discussions we're having at the moment is about brokerage. You know, you broker your own deals and we'll help you with the branding and you can kind of work under us. But it's still not the American model that we want to see. 
Interesting. It's, uh, I love I love talking about new ideas like this because it kind of gets my little creative juices. Going. <laughs> there is such, a, there is such a, especially in your. It doesn't work where I am in S. I mean, well, it could do to a degree on Laura's stuff because I don't think there's ever been such a value on chains at the moment. Mm. No, because I've I've bought, bought a gaff with no chain, and I paid a little bit of a premium for that because it's got no chain. Um, I mean, have you, are you seeing? Like, obviously, I'm guessing your pipeline on sales are pretty clogged up at the moment. Or are you? Is there a lot of cash buyers with no chains kind of doing? Because rather than Essex, the chain, anything from maybe your 500 grand up, upwards, like towards the top end of the chain. Because our chains probably top out about a million pounds around here. That'd be the top yeah. end of our chains. Um, there's not that many houses around here for a million quid that become available. And then you know, so the chains are all old, like so clogged down because there's no there's nothing to kind of complete the chain at the top so i'm, I'm foreseeing this horrible not crash crash is the wrong word but all these deals are just going to fall out of bed because the stamp duty is kicking in i think the government handled that horrifically um i'll go on to that in a minute but i mean are you seeing that up uh, up not in hillway that is the change becoming a big problem but or is, it, is the stamp duty not really that big of a deal anyway i, I, I wish i was in it yeah, I wish I was in a position where I could comment on the fact we've got 10 chain deals that are all racked together. Um, yes, what I have seen is the value of the cash buyer come back. Because if a client asks me, look, I've got a 10 grand, I've got 10 grand more from a mortgage buyer, I'm probably going to lean and say, look, the cash buyer is so much safer because you haven't got all the sort of stamp duty issues, you haven't got all the um, lender issues, you haven't got all that kind of stuff at the bottom of a chain. And a lot of the, as you said, the first time buyers are all pinning their move on a 15 grand relief at 500 grand on the stamp duty. Um, I also see, you know, a lot of transactions falling out of bed or certainly being renegotiated, you know, in a difficult way. But are chains a problem? I've never seen them as a problem because normally a chain buying process is people in, you know, home movers moving. So they're in love with the house they're buying, you know, and all the way up the chain. Um, do I see them falling apart? Probably not falling apart, but yeah, as I said, probably renegotiating and taking a long time. You will pay a premium for a no chain deal because you get that. You're sure that it'll happen before the stamp duty or you get a lot more confidence that it'll happen before the stamp duty holiday ends. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know, a, a difficult one to comment on when, when I don't have as much in the pipeline built that way. I mean, for us, a lot of deals are done very quickly. We had a transaction last week, an empty house that the inquiry came in at 10 o'clock in the morning and we had completed on it by four o'clock in the afternoon, six hours oh, wow. later. Yeah. So you get a lot of people like that in London who are looking for deals. And to be fair, he paid the asking price. There were plenty of people that wanted the house. Um, but, you know, I don't know if you see that out in Essex too, too much or out in the suburbs. No, nah, we're a bit poor down here, mate. We don't <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't comment. I mean, this friend of mine were buying in, in Surrey and they were under offer on a house for eight months. They were ready to exchange for about six of those months. And then the seller was buying a house onward and couldn't move. Turns out the, the house that they were buying um, was something to do with the probate. There was an issue with the probate and they couldn't actually buy the house. And then the whole deal fell apart 10 months later when they're living in a friend's house because their rental accommodation oh. had ended, <laughs> you know, and, and they completely gave up on the process and rented again. So it's horrendous to see that, but I think that's really poor management from an estate agent point of view. The first thing I say to a client is, where are you moving to? Let's make sure this is set up correctly. Otherwise we're all wasting our time in a nice way. You know, I don't want to waste their time. It's You've got nice buyers who are spending a lot of money on surveys, searches, solicitors, rent, and all that stuff. And then you turn around and go, oh, sorry, we can't move because we didn't actually qualify the vendor in the first place. No, it's terrible. Well, ultimately, if you help them out, if you help them do a good job, you know, help them with their onward purchase, then, you know, nine out of ten times, they'll probably come back to you when they do choose to move. In, exactly. Uh, it's, um, you've got to think long term. I, I listened to... Um, uh, a guy called James Sinclair does a podcast, really good. And um, he was like, talking about working out your like customer value. So like, mm -hmm. how often does that customer, will that customer come back to you over 10 years? How much will that customer spend? And then mm -hmm. kind of like, working out how much each customer is worth to you. And it, it was a really interesting uh, way of looking. He kind of really looked at it like that. I just say, oh, okay, I've got a new instruction. Let's get that one done. And just presume that they won't ever come back. But a lot of these people have more than... Paying bills on time? Oh, yeah. Not maxing out credit cards? That's what I'm talking about. Learning what credit utilization is? Yes, give yourself credit. You can reach some pretty big goals like home ownership by taking small steps like those to build up your credit. Get started by leveling up your credit knowledge at Fannie Mae.com slash credit education. 
That's FannieMae.com slash credit education. Homeownership, here you come. Don't miss Sleep Number's biggest sale of the year, where all smart beds are on sale. Right now, save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed. The bed's so smart, it senses your movements and automatically adjusts to keep you both comfortable all night long. So save 50% on the Sleep Number 360 limited edition smart bed today. Hurry, free delivery and special financing on all smart beds through Labor Day. Special financing subject to credit approval. Minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. One property. Yeah. You're going to uh, uh, yeah, again, I mean, so I worked for a very big corporate company. Everybody knows it, Green and Gold. Um, and one of their mottos is, uh, think of your first time buyer as your little acorn. It will grow into an oak tree. Um, and when you're a corporate young estate agent looking for the quick deal, that never crosses your mind. You're like, I really don't care if you buy again because I'll probably only be in this job for two years. It doesn't personally affect you. When you're a business owner, that completely flips on its head. Because you go, hang on, this first-time buyer is going to live, you know, literally a street away from my office for the next four years. I intend to be here in four years. I'd love that business back. You want to take care of them more. And it's kind of what I'm trying to get instilled in my guys. I, I'm, I don't want staff here for two years. I want them here for life. I don't want, um, you know, transactions to be one-offs. I want them to build into the community. I want them to come back to us. Yeah, so you, you think about things differently as a business owner, and. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's I think it's interesting we say about staff there trying to make sure that they're there for the long run because they are ultimately your you know your business. And I think estate agents over the years have had a reputation of being kind of inherently maybe underpaid as a job uh, when you're not the owner. Um, I, th- I I have that perception around here. I think it might be different maybe in London, but especially around Essex where the guys work seven you know six days a week and you know probably don't earn. A huge amount of money. How do you, I mean? How how do you cope with staffing? I mean, is it? Have you found yeah. it with staffing? So, um, etc. Uh, I wish I wish in Notting Hill that was that was the view of estate agents. In Notting Hill, everybody thinks estate agents are paid way too much money for no qualifications. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah. And, and it's the value of the property that does it. You know, these properties are worth a lot of money, and our fees reflect the fact that we know that, um, and we're trying to be you know reasonable about our fees. So we, we hope we we pay the right amount. Staffing is is a real challenge. Challenge. A friend of mine came to work with us and we've recently just lost him. And I took it so personally because I wanted to see him do really, really well. It's a very, very hard industry to work in if you don't love it, especially when you're a boutique where every deal is important. Um, we we set up very, very recently a, a partnership scheme um, within Noah's. And if you come on board, we want to be talking to you about longevity. We don't want you here for a short term. And and a, an old business partner of mine said, oh, yeah, great idea. You're going to handcuff them to the business. And it's like, that's not really what I'm trying to do. I, yeah, I'm not trying to you know, get somebody in and, and fleece them for what they're worth. I'm trying to build them and their life with us. It's about growing into people and in, you know, investing in people and doing it with them. Um, so, again, not a model you'll see. Uh, the, the corporates I've worked for, I don't think I was ever offered any kind of ownership or, or responsibility in that way. Um, and then, you know, I think there was a stat on socials the other day that 76% of people leave that company within two years. I mean, the staff turnover cost just must be astronomical. And I, I don't want to see that. I, you know, I don't want to work with people that I don't care about. I want, I want them to care for us, the business the brand and, and us care for them. So Mate, yeah, but work, mate. Uh, it's all right. I don't think for a second I don't work them hard, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have a um, really interesting chat. So I go on walks uh, in the morning uh, with kind of local business owners. Don't ask me why I get up so early, but I'm just an early bird. And um, one of the guys I go with, I own just state agency around here, one of the pro- a prominent one around here. And he was telling me about his staffing. You know, they're growing, you know, the South and Essex market's been mad. And he now, when people interview for him, he asked them to send, uh, they ask him like questions beforehand and send in video interviews of themselves, basically. So videos answering the questions. And I thought it was actually fast. It blew my mind, actually. I was like, oh my God, like, what a novel way of looking at it. Because he's like, like back to what you said about socials, how they touch or, you know, how it's like social is the way forward now. And so mm-hmm. they need to be happy in front of a camera. If they're not happy to be in front of a camera, we don't want them. And I was like, wow. Like, yeah, I'm introducing kind of video in tenders to people now. 
So when I'm tendering to people or making offers for maybe more lucrative instructions, I'll kind of send over a video, um, which is quite well received. You know, it, it catches people off guard. Still sending me written stuff, but obviously if you go with a video as well, I think it makes you kind of more accountable. And I think they... 100%, they like yeah. That. And a bit kind of, I hate to use the word, but the celebrity status feeling special. You know, they they see this person who's been around their house. They've seen them on Instagram. They've written them a letter to say, this is what we think your house is worth and blah, blah, blah. Then you follow up with a, a little video that says, it was so nice to meet you. I was actually thinking about X, Y, and Z. You know, this is how we feel it could go. And yeah, it is received very, very well. I was, I learned this lesson because I was approached on LinkedIn via a video uh, by somebody and I was hugely impressed. A lot of people have been trying to pitch me the idea of what he was trying to offer me. And I, it's a very easy, no, 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 no. And then I got this video and you can't help but watch a video. You go, oh, who's this idiot? I'll have a look. Turned out to be a lovely guy, really good at what he does, made it very personal for knowings and me. Um, and yeah, you end up going with it. So I think the future is all about that. Don't know if I would say to my staff that if they're no good in front of a camera, I don't want them. Um, because it is a, it's a skill set that I've had to learn and it's been a baptism of fire because there was no one else I could put in front of the camera. Um, but there are staff here who won't go in front of a camera and their skill set is not that. So I, I don't know if I'd make it a requirement. One of our requirements that we would love to see always go through is I always ask the staff that apply whether they've bought or sold a house and what their impression of an estate agent is. Now, if you ask them if they haven't bought or sold, then they probably will just have a very generic comment. Yeah, nice people work hard. If you ask uh, someone who's bought and sold, they go, oh, I hate my estate agent or love my estate agent. And there's rarely an answer in between that. Oh, I didn't really think much yeah. of my estate agent. You know, that they will be. And it's, so a requirement we want to see is, is what it's like to be on the other side of an estate agent. Um, because I think once you've done that process, you really know how horrific it can be. Well, that was something that uh, one of the podcasts I've done with like Rebecca Brown. She kind of does like a customer journey um, business. And she was like, you want to get bad reviews. And I, I was like, what? I was like, you want to get bad <laughs> reviews. And, she, and I was like, why? It's just like, so you can see, because people a lot of times just don't generally give reviews, generally, really, unless yeah. you ask them yep. to. Um, yeah. So if you actually ask people for reviews, even the ones where you've done things wrong, you can just improve. And I, I, I was like, yeah, that's a bloody good idea, to be fair. Like, some people <laughs> yeah. don't want to hear it because you don't want to confront your failings. But actually, it's like, probably better for you than good reviews in the long, in the yeah. long run because you can kind uh, of see. 100%. But maybe uh, not, not on Google. No, no, no. <laughs> maybe more Yeah, we're very proud of our Google reviews. We've got... For the number of transactions we've done, we I think we've got every buyer and seller to comment. So it's been it's been you know it's been nice. But yeah, no, one of the when when we lost this member of staff I'm talking about and, and he left, um, you know, it was very easy to get angry and take it personally. But my business partner, who is uh, a very um, he's a deep thinker, he said, But Jake, what was your part in it? What could you do better to honor that and, and not let that happen again? And that was I learned more out of that conversation than any other. You sit there and look at your own failings. I, through my life, I've had a few failings, a few mess ups, a few whatever. And all the therapy and counseling that I've been through teaches you actually to look at these things. So why would you not do it in business? Why would you not reflect on yeah the, the bad reviews? I don't want them public. So if anyone's listening to this, well, you better mate, am, email me. <laughs> I am looking to your uh, your Google reviews right now, and they are phenomenal, mate. So everyone that's listening, <laughs> as of the 22nd of April, you are five stars, mate, throughout. And there ain't just like, one yeah. or two reviews here. There's a good few. was maybe 25 reviews. Yeah, I had, a call from, it, I had a call from a, comp- a competitor who, I don't know why he's looking at it, but phoned me up and said, why are you making up all these reviews? I was like, if you really think I've got time to sit there and make up reviews, like I don't know whether you've got a, like if you're that, even that serious about your job. Because <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's lovely that they are so authentic. Um, we had one yesterday uh, from a buyer who's been under offer for I think the best part of eight months or something. It's been a disaster, a no chain sale that has had every cladding issue, building regs issue. And actually they're not there. It's just a paperwork thing. And, and then to turn around and, and write a review that he did, yeah, it was it was a touching moment. It's, it's got, I'm looking at one here, mate. I'm going to read it for the people here because it's so lovely <laughs> to review this. So uh, a lady called Simone. Uh, uh, yeah. 
It's huge, but I could not recommend Noah's highly enough. After a couple of frustrating experiences with other agents in the area, it was a breath of fresh air to deal with Jacob, who is extremely knowledgeable uh, of both the market and area. And handsome. And, uh, <laughs> you, I think, I you might prop that bit out there, mate. But <laughs> <laughs> Professional and honest. Having someone you can truly trust, which is a very important thing, for property advice instead of being met with hot air or exaggerated promises makes such a difference. Whether you're looking to buy or sell, you'll be in safe hand at Noah's. I mean, what a lovely review, mate. That's banging. Yeah. And the beautiful thing about that review is she didn't actually buy from us. She just felt the experience was, you know, something that she valued. We, she had been on something. I think she said to me she's seen, you know, 20 or 30 properties in the area, met pretty much every estate agent and hated every single one of them. So <laughs> we stood out because I was very honest about, you know, what she wanted, what she needed. And I would rather, you know, tell somebody who's in a property who they may love but might not be right for them. I'd rather tell them it's not right for them. And, and find them something that does work. She's still actively looking and I'm really confident we'll find her something. But yeah, it was nice to get that review because, you know, even uh, there's five rules of business that I learned when I was back at 19 and I don't feel the same way about these rules um, because they're pretty selfish. But the five rules of business are what's in it for me. Um, and I, I try and reflect on conversations like the one with Simone and I try and say, okay, we haven't made a sale. Okay. Understood. But I wonder if there is anything there. And I said to her, look, if you truly do feel like you've had a good experience, it'd be nice to hear from you. And it popped up in a Google review. So, um, yeah. Well done, mate. Well cool. done, mate. Uh, I might start doing that more podcasts, you know, actually doing the old Google review. It's the first one I've done it. <laughs> <laughs> you'll, you'll load one up and it'll be terrible. Like, oh, oh, mate. <laughs> no, I'll be honest, mate. Looking through those names, you'd have to be bloody creative to come up with some of them names. So, whoever's doubting them, this is the most creative stuff I've ever met. But um, I'll tell you, an interesting experience I had, which left me, I didn't know how to react. So, when we set up that flat estate agency, we're looking at kind of the rivals. This was Shoreditchy way. And I won't name the estate agent, um, but we rang them up. They're cool, cool, cool. They were cool. And we rang them up and I was like, I've got this flat in Shoreditch to sell, blah, blah, blah. And do you know what? It blew my mind, mate. It blew my mind. They went, oh, we'll send one of our sales appraisal experts to come around and see if your property is worthy for us to sell. Oh, I hate it. I absolutely hate it. I was like, I don't know. I was really taken back by it. And then I was like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, okay. And I was like, but then I was also thinking at the same on the flip side, as much as I resented what they were saying, I was also thinking, if they do come around and tell me my house is worthy enough to sell, oh, okay. <laughs> you said it well, so, yeah, you feel very special. You're like, oh, I made it on the hot list. No, there, there is a company that are doing that at the moment, and uh, or there probably is a few, but we, of course, the first thing I did in business when I opened, I was like, right, who's my competition? Let's take an empty flat and see if I can get some valuations and see what their market pitch is. And yeah, well, I had one of those and thinking, oh, it must be a strap line. They're not, they're not honestly going to turn away an instruction that I'm basically saying they can have. And uh, yeah, they phoned me back and said, oh, sorry, we don't feel like your property. I mean, they're not saying we don't feel like your property is good enough. They say, oh, we don't think we're the right agent for you. But they're basically saying we're not interested in your business, which is a ballsy move. I mean, that's a ballsy, ballsy You've got move. You've right balls, to be fair, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, you do. But could you imagine, like, what, what, how, do you, how do you differentiate people who um, are, are, you bring on the market or not on the market? Because... Is it a personal thing? Is it their house isn't pretty enough? Is it it's not worth enough money? Like it's going back to the whole, you know, you're better because you're wealthier. No, shut up. You know, we're living in a world where we appreciate all people of all kinds. And I'm never going to turn down an instruction. You know, one of the instruction I was uh, pretending to own and, and having pitched was a two-bedroom council flat. And I always wondered, I thought, is it because it's a council flat? You know, and I think that's such a low... No you can't, you can't go around there in your Gucci loafers, you know what I mean? Like, you get robbed. I don't know Gucci loafers. <laughs> I mean, um, have you obviously, I don't know if you saw the news recently, where Right Right Move are looking to, you know, an inquiry into kind of standardising their listings, which I think is a great shout, personally, from a, a leasehold practitioner point of view. Um, because I do find that where we get a lot of inquiries where people are buying something, but they've got no idea about the actual lease uh, tenure, you know, it's free old lease old mm. service charge, whatever they got to pay. I mean, if you, what, what, what do you think should be kind of on, or do you think, do you even think there should be a standardized kind of listings on right move in terms of like 
Truthfully, I have I actually don't even know what that is. I didn't know right move we're gonna do that. So just give me a quick overview of what it is. So basically there's been quite a few uh concerns with kind of right move the inconsistency of right move listings. Um where some will just be you know just be a nice blurb, whereas some will have very good descriptions, measurements, floor plans, lease lengths, service charge, freeholder. Um all stuff that's very important that ultimately could make a sale fall out of bed down the line. Uh, I think the argument from agents has been that it may be prohibitive to initially getting people through the door. But at the same time, getting people through the door if they're going to fall out of bed later on. So um, that's basically what they're looking to do. I've been a bit of an, I'm a bit of an advocate for it, mate, purely because we get a lot of time wasters come through the door who are, oh, I'm looking at buying this property, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, you ain't like this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's where hopefully it might be more business for us as lease extension kind of experts. But um, it's, I mean, what is there certain things that people ask you that don't generally come on the listings, or is that not really a problem? Yeah, no. I mean, talking about standardising, if that is is a subject, I would say it's absolutely one hundred percent necessary. Um, you know, we need to get into a, a system because, you know, central London property, there are low leases, there are expensive service charges, there are, and agents will purposefully leave that off because they think, well, if I can get them tied into the deal long enough, they spend enough money, they'll compromise on that idea, which is, is not the right way to be because truthfully, everything is resolvable. Um, and you need to know whether you can afford a service charge or want to go through a lease extension sort of process and if you do have a short lease advertise it explain that it's something that you're looking into with a partner like Hortons we have had a a valuation from a local expert they estimate the value of the extension to be blah 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 let's tie this into the transaction extend the lease as part of the purchase there's there's options available without the information yeah we're we're big about being honest be straight up as much as you can because like you said people are going to waste valuable time and money trying to buy something and then realize oh, i couldn't buy it anyway so yeah i'd love to see standardized listing it kind of it's the same about video content a lot of agents don't want to put video tours of their house they feel like it reveals too much information about a house um but it also saves a lot of time and money running around viewings that people aren't going to buy a house so i'm a big advocate for putting as much information available as possible Good man. I'm glad you said that, mate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, we're coming towards the end of the podcast, but I'll, I'll cut the things sure. I wanted to ask you before uh, we probably wrap it up. It's been brilliant, mate, by the way. You've been, abs- you've been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's really going to resonate with a lot of uh, our listeners and kind of network. But um, if I had a million quid, where yeah. am I spending my money, mate? Where am I putting my money? Oh, Central London right now. Central you- London right now. I think so. I mean, we, we've gone through a period of a year of, of uh, you know, the, the, the prices being definitely hit. Knight Frank's wealth report has reported that central London is going to be the quickest growing market in the next two to three years um, because people are going to come back to work. We had uh, somebody buy through us, worked for a big, uh, big firm up in town. Their offices have been closed. He was told that the offices would be closed until September 2022. We've quickly all realized working from home is very, very difficult. If you have a family, pet, or even your partner, you don't want to sit there all day, you know, with them and and, and get on each other's nerves, especially if you're living in a one-bedroom flat or whatever. Um, so people are coming back to London because they realize cafes, bars, pubs, everything is opening again. And once we get COVID behind us, I think the value of the central London property will return. So that's where I would be investing. But I've been wrong before and I'll be wrong again. (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, I rate that, mate. Um, Because when I start moving, I've got not, I don't know a million quid, but I've got like enough for like a tiny studio. And I was debating whether to like just get a little something around your neck of the woods, to be honest. But um, only tiny, mate. I can't like a room, you know, one of those really shit ones. I see those ones and like in the papers it's like London's smallest flat I was like oh I could afford that I'm like go for that one <laughs> Is that any, yeah, I'll take it yeah lovely any particular type of property you think is worth more so than others going for at the moment if people do have kind of money to spend uh, if, you know one beds two beds studios houses where do you think the growth will be most um, in kind of central London on those oh, properties or was it all of them period kind of uh, George and Victorian stucco fronted beautiful houses in, in central locations they always say uh, what's that show called location 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 it's all about the location and not necessarily the property but um, I've got a little taste for, for period properties and I love them they're bought internationally they're bought locally people like how pretty they are I think there's an investment there if you want a more buy to let kind of option the purpose built cheaper asking price houses are slightly 
better because they return similar rent, but they're a bit cheaper to buy. Um, yeah, it's 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 whatever tickles your fancy, really, mate. Lovely, <laughs> mate. No, great, that mate. Thank you, thank you. That so, I hope you might help someone uh, buy a property uh, with that kind of budget. All, all um, I'd say is call me. We'll talk about it. Everyone has their own requirements, and we want to yeah. find out what the right one is for them. We will put your details on the uh, little blurby bit, people. So you better get in contact with Jacob. <laughs> follow us on socials. Give us a load of comments and like. What is your at? Uh, what is your handles, mate? On the socials? At Noah's London. Very and easy. Uh, at Noah's London. N O A H people. Um, yeah, and last mate. Oh, yep. N-O-H-F, Colin can't spell on the call. And lastly, mate, um, what's the dream, mate? Five years. What's the dream? Oh, now, well, I didn't know how personal you were going to go. My dream, I, when I was uh, when I was a young man, I, I, I met a lovely girl and uh, had a long kind of two or three re- year relationship. Uh, and I come from a very, I wouldn't say broken home, but I'd de- definitely say an unstable family life. Met this girl, met this family. And when we separated, my biggest sort of upset was the fact that I left this family behind. Now, this family were very wealthy. And at the time, I made an unhealthy connection that money made you happy. And it didn't. It just takes a lot of stress off your shoulders in some way or another. It brings its own, of course. The dream is to be in a position where I can spend time with my kids as a business owner as they grow up. Um, while providing them the necessaries of what they need. I certainly don't want to spoil my kids, but I don't want them worried about whether we're going to pay the rent or pay the, pay the mortgage at the end of the month. You know, when I grew up, it was a bit like that. So the dream is that. And if I can buy an, a few nice toys on the way, then awesome. What's That's, a nice toy for you, mate? Oh, do you know what? People think I'm nuts. I love machines. I'm all about machines. Yeah, of course, I love the Ferraris and Lamborghinis. I love them. I'd love to own one, but I love it for the machine factor. I love diggers, motorbikes, chainsaws, like anything <laughs> that makes me feel a bit more manly. That's uh, that's what I love. And the toys, if I could own a, a 20-ton digger and stick it in my garden, just play on it <laughs> when I wanted, that would be the dream. Mate, absolutely. Go with it. Well, mate, thank you so much for coming on. You have been candid and you have been brilliant my friend so um thanks very much for any having part, me any part in part in words for for the viewers listeners oh. <laughs> viewers, yeah parting words what would i say um not all estate agents are the same give us a call we're slightly different we try to be a little bit better for you there you go people <laughs> and, work and hard. Uh, <laughs> one of the things um uh, that lady said she said um that uh it's the work ethic that keeps her going um if you if you have a dream and you want to do it just go and do it life's too short life is way too short to sit there and wonder whether it was the right thing to do or not you don't want to get to your grave and think i wonder what my life could have looked like i'd rather get there and made a, make a few mistakes on the way but certainly enjoy it a little bit more exactly go better, to try. It. better to try and fail than regret never trying ultimately there you go 100 <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for listening, guys. Um, I hope you all have a wonderful day, whatever you're doing, and uh, we'll be back next week. Thank you. Paying bills on time? Not maxing out credit cards? Yes, give yourself credit. You can get closer to big goals like home ownership by taking small steps to build up your credit. Level up your credit knowledge at Fannie Mae.com slash credit education. Hey. 